0: Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 475. You just
1: never know what you're going to find.
0: This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you
1: with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah.
0: I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Ryan Brutt. Ryan, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride?
1: Oh, can't wait, sir. Can't wait.
0: (laughs) All right. Great to have you here. Ryan Brutt is the automotive archaeologist. Ryan shares his expeditions across the Midwest looking for automotive and motorcycle barn finds. His goal is to inspire fellow automotive enthusiasts to go out and see the world around them and visit junkyards and old barns and look for great old vehicles. His passion runs so deep that he's written a book about his travels and finds titled Amazing Barn Finds, The Roadside Relics, published by Motorbooks, Zenith Press. It's a really cool book, and uh, we have a little surprise for our listeners today if you listen through the show that uh, Ryan is going to share with us a little bit later on. Ryan, I've told our listeners a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share a little bit more about your career, your interests, and of course your passion for automobiles?
1: Absolutely. It started about a decade ago. I found a 71 Barracuda, and it was dilapidated sitting in an old garage, basically, And that just got me going. Just from there on out, I just, if you could find this cool car sitting, you just never know what you could find out there. And every weekend, every free moment I had, I'd be out on the road following up on leads because it just was so exhilarating.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, I've had uh, several guests here on Cars. Yeah. Who have done things similar to what you've done. They've written books about them. They go out there and they look for cool cars and, you know, the thought that uh, all the great barn finds have been found is really a misnomer. There are a lot of cool cars still sitting out there, and I think you've found quite a few with this book of
1: yours. Oh, absolutely. That's one of the main things is to tell people that they aren't all found. I mean, there is still a ama- I I mean, I've shot just last year alone about 10,000 to 20,000 pictures of barn finds. And I'm not talking about, you know, fifty four, you know, Chevy, Ford, or, you know, no-nothing no cars. I mean, I'm talking, I've shot an entire warehouse full of Arrow Warriors, Daytonas, uh, Superbirds, literally sitting for probably 30 years. I mean, wow. it, it's amazing wow. what's still out there.
0: Well, it's so cool, and it's encouraging for all of us who have that dream of finding that, that car we've been so passionate about sitting in a barn somewhere that we can bring home and bring back to life. But first, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success, and it's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Ryan, take the wheel.
1: Uh, well, really, the best thing, the, the most profound quote is, you just never know what you're going to find, because <laughs> if you let it come to you, yeah, you'll have some adventures, but if you go out and find them, you'll never be disappointed. So just always get out there. Always keep on looking because there's so much out there to see and do. Don't waste it.
0: Well, you know, I love that quote and I love the concept how it wraps around your passion with what you do. How have you incorporated that concept into your daily life? How would you uh, suggest to our listeners if they want to get out there and try to find cars or do some of the things like
1: you're doing? What are just a few little tips and tricks you could share with us? Uh, one of the big ones is ask questions, talk to people. One of the big things I used to do before, you know, I got really into this, is I'd go to a little town, you know, in the middle of nowhere. I'd go to the old parts store, um, a Napa or you know a Track Auto or whatever it was at the time, and I'd ask the old the older counter people. I'm like, hey, you know, I'm looking for cool old cars. You know, do you remember anyone around here that had you know a GTO or you know a, a Charger that they used to drive that you haven't seen in a long time? And more often than not, they'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, Steve down the street, he had that, you know, 69 Charger that he'd drive all the time. And, man, I haven't seen that thing in, like, 10 years. Yeah. And they'd point me in the right direction, and I'd go follow up. You just never know what's going to pop up.
0: You know, that's a brilliant idea, and it reminds me back when I was a kid. I went to visit my grandparents in Texas. They lived in a little town. I lived in uh, Southern California in a pretty big city, San Diego. Oh yeah, and we were in town, and I asked one of the local guys there. I said, "Is there anybody around here that has a farm outside of town that might have some cool old cars to look at?" And lo and behold, oh yeah, go see Jim. He lives down Farm Road 12. Just go down and turn right at that red stop sign or that red mailbox, and you'll see his tractors and stuff. And sure enough, we went out there, and in this old barn were a bunch of cool old cars. So it's a great idea. Communication, talk with people, ask questions. But I love that idea. Would you share a story with me that instigated your passion for cars? Is there a pivotal
1: moment in your life when you really realized that you were a car guy? Absolutely. It's definitely that 71 Cuda. Uh, Before that, I was like 17 and really not into that cars. I had a 1990 Taurus wagon as my first car because I just, I mean, I like driving, but it wasn't a passion for me. And unfortunately, someone had stolen the radio out of my car. a a tape deck, of all things. Not even, like, a nice radio. And my father was like, okay, I have a friend. He'll do it cheaply. He'll put a CD player in it. So I go down to this shop in Chicago, and it's a weird setup kind of shop where it has four bays in the front that face the street, and then a long bay in the back for bigger vehicles. But in between was this little in-between area. It wasn't big enough to work on cars. It was like a walkway, really. Mm -hmm. But there was a car sitting there completely covered. There was a Corvette, like an early C1 Corvette top on, a uh, hard top sitting on top of, and just junk. And I'm like, oh, that kind of looks like a neat car. And I started pulling some of the stuff off of it while I'm waiting on my wagon, and I pull the front off, and it's a 71 Cuda. With, <laughs> I mean, it is black, it has the four headlights, the cheese grater grill, it had the fog lights, it had the gills in the fender. It was a real true Cuda. Wow. A '83 car. And I just uncovered this thing while I was waiting, and I just fell in love. And after that, I mean, it was like, this cool car is in a little shop in Chicago, just rot, you know, just, it wasn't rotting per se, but it was just, you know, being neglected and sitting, and if this is possible to find in Chicago, just by accident, what else can I find if, you know, I go out there and start searching for it? And that led me down the slippery slope.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think so, you know. What comes to mind is uh, another car. I guess I've had here Wayne Carini. Of course, we all know about his car uh, car chasing classic cars television show. And you know, he told me the same thing. He said it's just amazing what you can find in the most obscure, weird places. You don't oh, even yeah. you don't even think that they would be there. And go down an alley and open a door, and you know, there sits a uh, Lamborghini Miura or something like that. So.
1: Oh yeah, no, I had one instance where i driven past a '73 Charger in this. Like a storage-like, as you could say, full of old semis. And there's this 173 Charger. I'd driven past it for probably 10 years. And I'm not a big late-model Charger fan. I'm like, eh, okay. But one day I had some spare time, and there was a guy at the shop there. So I pull in, and I'm talking to him. He's like, oh, yeah, here, take a look, and look at the Charger. He's like, oh, yeah, I got a Dart that I'm working on in the garage. And he goes, here, you want me to tell you something really cool? All these semis? They're full of Mopars. Oh, my gosh. She started opening up the semi-doors, and it's in my book, but you'll see there's a Roadrunner, Chargers, Challengers. Every single one was either full of cars or parts. It was mind-blowing. I mean, and you would never know. I right. mean, I drove past that place, I'm not kidding, for 10 years and had no idea. Yeah.
0: Oh, my goodness. Yeah. How thrilling. Ah, oh, fantastic. Fantastic. So, Ryan, I would love to crawl under the hood and talk a little bit about a challenge or even a great failure that you've faced along the way that you could share with our listeners. Of course, the most important part of this is how you overcame that situation and what did it teach you?
1: Well, the biggest one was, you know, getting through college and such. Really, I mean, I'm in a downswing in the the magazine industry. I mean, I'm trying to get into a field that is really condensing into a, you know, a select few magazines. And the big thing was the way I overcame it is to be unique, is to have a voice that is different than anyone else that people want to listen to, or at least you know hear see my stuff. And so I just started focusing on that, focusing on you know being a a, a you know a voice unlike all others, and it worked out very well. Um, I had Hot Rod Magazine actually come to me, asking me to work for them. I didn't even have to you know apply. They actually emailed me to work for them and that just blew my mind
0: well what are some ways that those listeners out there that are trying to get their feet in the door in industries hopefully the automotive industry since we are about cars yeah here what are some ways that they can be unique and different so they can get noticed in the case of your story they came to you so what were you doing to make them aware that you existed
1: well what i well me personally i i focused on photography and well-written works. I actually had a blog, I still do, barnfinds.org, that whenever I went on an adventure, I would publish on my blog a little synopsis. I mean, every picture had a little caption, every you know story was well-written, and it was proof that I was finding this stuff. And that's actually what started this whole thing with me being a journalist, was people, I would go out and find these cars, and people wouldn't believe me, so I would document them with photography and the you know the blog so that I could show people, hey, if you go to my blog, you can see the 71 CUDA I found in the garage. And that's really if you are constantly updating that and if you constantly are producing solid work, it doesn't have to be the most well written, it doesn't have to be the, you know, the best fo- you know pictures in the world. I am by no means amazing writer or an amazing photographer. But as long as you do solid work, people will start following you and you'll be able to stand out amongst the crowd.
0: You know, you dropped some really valuable bombs there for us about consistency. Just keep putting the product out there. Uh, In my case with Cars, yeah, I didn't even know what a podcast podcast was two years ago. I just started producing five shows a week, five shows a week. I do a blog every week as well. And you're right just consistently produce and people will start following you. They'll talk to other people, they'll talk to other people, and eventually you'll kind of have some of those little breakthroughs or those tipping points, if you will, uh to quote a great book uh for people, and you never know what might come along. So great stories, great lessons for the listeners out there. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I like to call a, a career aha moment. It's a time when The headlights come on and illuminate your way for a new idea or a new direction that you had with your career, your business, or in the case of your book. Could you tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment
1: into a success? Um, I would say it all started with, like I said, Hot Rod came to me to start writing for them my monthly column. Before that, I mean, it was free. I mean, I would do a blog and I was trying to turn it into something and, you know, I had you know, submitted work in the past, and it never really got picked up, but when they came to me and asked, actually, David Freiberger, the editor editor himself, had emailed me saying, hey, Ryan, you know, good to hear, see you, do you want to write for Hot Rod when we do the re- big revamp, and I'm like, absolutely, I'm game, mm-hmm. I mean, that just really was the light bulb that, you know, people like what I'm doing. I mean, I, I could see from, you know, statistics on my website that, you know, I had a good following, and This was really before Facebook really started taking off, um, so I couldn't really track it that well. But that moment when, you know, I'm getting noticed and Mm -hmm. people are actually paying attention to me was really where the light bulb came on saying, hey, you know, if people really like this, I can move forward with this hopefully as a career and, you know, be something that I'm proud of.
0: Right. Absolutely. Spectacular one. Great segue to my next question about proudest career or business moments. Could you share one of those with us?
1: Absolutely. Um, The moment that, I mean, the hot rod moment, of course, is a great one. Um, But then Bob Ashton, he runs the Muscle Car and Corvette Nationals here in Chicago. The, you know, as they say in Muscle Car Review, the pebble beach of of the muscle car world. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He actually asked me to help organize and run an entire section of the show. And it's one of the big, it's at the barn finds and hidden gems display. People submit their barn finds and I organize them and I set it up and such. Other than a few places, it is the biggest section of cars in the entire show. And he wanted me personally, no one else. No, you didn't ask anyone to help just me to put this all together for him. And it was an honor. I still do it to this day.
0: Yeah, how fun. What an exciting opportunity for you. And uh, as preservation cars and, and cars that have been unrestored become more and more popular, uh, I just see that trend growing and growing.
1: Absolutely. I mean, they're only original ones, or at least, you know, untouched ones for the most part.
0: Right. Well, and we just saw, in fact, in uh, this month's uh, Sports Car Market newsletter, the story about uh, Jerry Seinfeld buying a unrestored Speedster for over half a million dollars. And, yep. of course, he's got a bigger bank account than most people, so he can buy whatever he wants to buy just about. But it, you see that trend happening with cars that are unrestored. Or they're just getting more and more valuable to people because, as you said, they're only are unrestored once. When I had the Kino brothers on the show here, they talked about cars in relation to old furniture. You know, you would never take an old chair and restore it. You, you'd leave it alone. You, you preserve it. You take care of it. That's what makes it valuable, so why not cards as well?
1: Absolutely. I mean, especially now that we're getting further and further away from, you know, when they were made. um, An original Superbird or, you know, a Charger or Chevelle SS, especially now that there's so many um, uncouth uh, individuals out there. You know, if you can show the line, you know, I found this 70 Superbird in a barn a month ago or a year ago. And it's now here in front of you, you know what it is. You Mm -hmm. know it's not a fake car. You know it hasn't been doctored with. It is as it's been for, you know, whatever, it's 40 years basically.
0: Sure, sure, absolutely. Let's have a little bit of fun here. And I I know you talked about your first car being a Taurus wagon, I think is what you said. Yeah. But uh, how about your first really special vehicle? Could you share with us that car or bike, whatever it might have been, and maybe a memory that you have with that vehicle?
1: No, oh, no, absolutely. The very the second vehicle I bought, or you know, my family and I bought, is a seventy one Dodge Challenger RT. Hmm. It was out in Arizona, and my dad. It's a long, funny story because I was a stupid kid. A friend of ours went out there, picked it up, brought it back. It didn't run. It didn't drive. He came back in the winter, so my alley was iced over. So the car slipped. It was,
0: <laughs> it was a uh, you know crazy comedy of errors. Let's <laughs> just say, yeah.
1: But once we got it running, we blew up the mufflers because there was so much gas in the exhaust. So it's been nonstop fun with the car. And I'm just now finally getting it sorted out with the help of friends and family. Cool. So hopefully we'll be doing it, taking it on Hot Rod Power Tour. Or, you know, I actually want to use it in my daily driver eventually.
0: Yeah. Oh, that'd be cool. Very fun. I love it. Love stories like that. How about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle that you've let go that you really wish you had back in the garage?
1: Yeah, I mean I've when I have the ability I buy barn finds when I can and I sold off a solid 70 Barracuda shell probably a decade ago and I always regretted passing on it. It was an original lime light green automatic on the floor car. It was actually a slant 6 car or the small V or the the small inline 6 of that era. But uh It was still such a solid car. and got such a good deal, and I still kick myself to this day that I sold it. But unfortunately, at the time, I didn't have much room to store cars long term, so it was the one that had to go.
0: Yeah, well, we all have those stories, so sorry to bring that painful memory up.
1: (laughs) Actually, ironically enough, about seven, eight years after I sold it, and I sold it to some guy here in Chicago, and then he... Fixed it up a little bit, you know, put it together a little bit more than I had it. He then just primered it, put it on eBay, sold it for less than he sold it to me for, or I sold it to him for, and then I lost it. I'm like, okay, it's gone. About two, three years ago now, which was seven, eight years after I sold the car, I was in a barn in western Illinois looking at a few Mopars, and I found the car. Oh, my gosh. I was like, oh, look, it has fiberglass fenders, and my, oh, my car, had, oh, this is an original limelight green car. Oh my! I'm like, oh, no way. I went to a few spots that I knew were unique, and it was the car. I was like, oh, my God, I couldn't believe it. after all these years I found it. Isn't that funny? Wow. Unfortunately, the guy was crazy on the price, so I couldn't yeah. get back, but it was the exact same car. It was really funny.
0: That is really weird. Well, maybe that car is meant to come back and visit you someday. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we I, hope. I hope so. You know, at this point in our talk, I usually ask people about current projects, but I'd love to talk about this book. Now, Amazing Barn Finds and Roadside Relics, is this the first book that you've uh, written and had published?
1: Indeed. Uh, it is the first book I've ever had, you know, gone to this stage. Um, of course, if you, I've been in a, you know, 30, 40 magazines, if you consider them books. Mm -hmm. But nothing as substantial as this.
0: Yeah, well, it's a wonderful book. I have a copy here, and I want to let our listeners know that Ryan's been so kind to offer one of these books to one of the Cars yeah listeners. So if you're a subscriber on the Car yeah website, we're going to give away a book this week, this uh, awesome book. And you know, there's a, a, there's a lot of cool things about your book that I love, and I'm going to let you talk a little bit more about it. But one of the things that I really enjoy being a car guy is there's so many pictures in here. It's a book that you could just go through and you just start to Go into La La Land and go. Oh my gosh! Look at that. Oh, next page. Oh, look at that. So, did you take all these pictures while you were out looking for the cars?
1: Absolutely. Every single picture in that book, I've shot personally. Oh
0: <laughs> wow! Well, you you did a great job, and I love the way it's laid out. The graphics that some of them look like little uh, old fashioned prints laid on a page with a drop shadow. So, so tell us some some stories about this book. How it all came together. How it came to fruition. And and some more that the listeners can get excited about this uh, free giveaway we're going to do.
1: I got gotcha. you. What had happened was Motorbooks is a sponsor of the Muscle Car and Corvette Nationals. And when I was there, I have a little booth set up, and I'm projecting pictures of my barn find adventures on the wall. And because I always associate, I always have pictures with my adventure writing, I always take three, four, or 500 pictures per adventure so I had a backlog of thousands upon thousands of images from about a decade of work at the point. And uh, some of the guys from Motorbooks were like, oh, you know, we have the Tom Cotter books, but, you know, yours are unique because you've shot every single – all these are yours. Yeah. You're not taking other people's stories and pictures and, you know, parsing them into a book. These are all your personal stories, and they, we'd be interested in it. Mm-hmm. So I emailed them a little bit later, and we, they came to me with a proposition – And it started rolling from there. Um, I had to go through about 40,000 images. Oh, gosh. Parse it down to just about 150-ish. So that was uh, fun, to say the least, especially trying to find the best of the best and such.
0: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's a beautiful book. I love everything about it. It's a nice, big, thick, heavy book so that when you get it, you feel like you really have something in your hands. I'm, I'm a guy that likes to sit down and look at a book. I, I still like printed books. I have a nice big library of automotive books. So listeners out there, uh, this is one you want to add to your library. And as I mentioned, Ryan's been really nice to offer one of these as a giveaway if you're a Carja yeah! subscriber. So we appreciate that, Ryan. That's going to be very cool. Now I have a very introspective question for you. If you were a car, what kind of car would Ryan be? And why?
1: You know, I I was thinking about this. I personally would probably be a Dodge Travco motorhome.
0: Oh Um, my goodness! Okay, that's unique.
1: It's very unique, but it's cool because they were the first Class A motorhomes. But they look like a Twinkie going down the road. They're (laughs) they're, they're fully fiberglass. I mean, they're their first or one of the first fully fiberglass. They're on a Dodge chassis with the Dodge big engine in them. Uh huh. But they're so unique and they're so cool. And you can go anywhere, and you can do anything. Although Johnny Cash had one, um, <laughs> William Shatner had one. I'm blanking, but there's another. There's a whole bunch of famous people had these. Oh wow, you know, 60s and 70s. That's my sense of adventure. My eventual end game is to buy one of these Dodge Traficos and see the, and, you know, travel around the country and document barn finds. Yeah, I can't think of a better representation than this, you know, cool, unique, special motorhome. than that would be me.
0: Oh, I love that. What a great answer to that question. And uh, like Johnny Cash, you've been everywhere, man, to quote one of his songs. So, uh, yeah, the idea of traveling around in a vintage vehicle like that looking for barn finds sounds like a pretty nice way to spend some time. Very cool. I love it. Well, Ryan, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah! sponsor. Hey, Cars Yeah! listeners, I have a question. What's the best way to protect your vehicle? both the exterior and the interior. It's with a car cover. I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft is the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers and they're crafted to fit like a custom suit with over 80,000 patterns available. And they're made in the USA. But Covercraft is much more than car covers. Their vehicle protection system protects your cars, motorcycles, watercrafts, and RVs, exteriors from the elements, and the interiors from the wear and tear of daily life. Car covers, front-end masks, dash covers, seat covers, floor mats, and much, much more. Covercraft offers you a full array of custom accessories made specifically for and styled to complement and protect your special vehicle. Covercraft is the right choice. I use them on all my vehicles, and your special vehicles will love them too. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. And you can get free shipping when you use the code at checkout, cars yeah. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. Okay, Ryan, we are back and we're entering the last lap, and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Yep, whenever you're
1: ready. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? Always put oil in the engine when it needs it. (laughs) Yes. Never run out of transmission fluid. I've done that a few times. Yeah. But um, in the more general sense of automotive businesses, just never listen to the – I mean, listen to the critics – but take it with a grain of salt.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, travel your own path. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years?
1: The biggest thing is organization. I actually have a map program through Google called Google. I think it's it was it called Google Engine, but now it's called Google My Maps. Mm-hmm. I'm able to organize. You can pin locations on this map, and it's a private map. No one else can get to it. You can pin locations on this map and put comments in for that location. Oh wow. So I'm able to organize my trips very well by every bleed, every story I hear, every car I know about is on this map. It's basically a treasure map. Mm-hmm. But it, it it's so it allows me to organize things to such an extent that I don't have to worry about losing people's information or um, you know, forgetting something. It's all on this map. And I can organize my trips and my adventures fairly well. And that has really been a – organization is the biggest thing, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah.
0: Let our listeners know again now that this is an app
1: that you use, right? Yeah, it's an app and it's online. It's called Google My Maps. All right. Or Google Engine. If you Google, like, Google Engine, Mm -hmm. it should come up with the application. And, I mean, I do it for everything from – if you ever look at my map, if you go on my Instagram – uh, the autoarchaeologist, I have a screenshot of one of the versions, and you can color code it. Like, blue are ones I've been to, red are ones I haven't been to, green are related to usually people, grayish pins are usually train related because I'm, I'm a train nut also. Mm-hmm. And it allows me to organize things to such an extent that. It's amazing.
0: Very cool. Well, you may answer my question. Next question then, and that is a great resource for our listeners. That sounds like a wonderful resource that uh, would be great for folks that travel a lot and are out there looking for cool cars.
1: Absolutely. Um, that's an amazing feature. That's, I mean, I'm on that every day. Wow. Um, But I'm also using, like I said, Google Earth. I'm always on different websites. on Facebook, you know, getting leads. I have a webpage, my barnfinds.org. I have a Facebook page called The Auto Archaeologist where I'm constantly posting pictures. Mm -hmm. People are sharing with me their stories. I'm in hot rods. I mean, I have all these different outlets and uh, resources at my disposal to further my ability.
0: Very cool. We've come a long way since the big map on the wall with little stick pins, haven't we?
1: Yeah, but I actually had one of those in uh, my college days on a big uh, piece of uh, cork board. Uh So it's just an upgrade in technology.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now how about a book, other than your new book, Amazing Barn Finds and Roadside Relics? Is there another book you could share with our listeners that you think they would really enjoy reading?
1: Absolutely. The one that inspired me the most was the uh the first uh Tom Cotter books. The the very first one was Cobra in the Barn. Yeah. And then he's done a series of them. Uh the Cobra um he had the Cobra, the Hemi, the Harley in the Barn, the Indian in the Barn, the Corvette in the Barn. Now he's done a few uh uh Fifty Shades of Rusts. Yep. and uh, the uh, barn find road trip and he has another one coming out here barn Fine road trip route 66 or such
0: yeah he, he tom cotter's been a guest here as, as his his photographer uh, michael allen ross who uh, travels with him and takes pictures uh, for him for his books so uh, yeah those are a great series of books they are fantastic and i'll remind our listeners you can find links to all these great resources ryan has shared with us On his show notes page at com slash Ryan Brutt. Ryan's last name is B-R-U-T-T. And there's also another great place on the Cars Yeah website, Guest Recommended Books, where Ryan's new book and all the other past guest books are listed for quick, easy clicks to purchase. All right, Ryan, we are up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a real doozy. If you could have only one collector car in your garage... But you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other cars with, so that little trick's off the table. But money's no object. I'll buy you whatever you'd like today. What would that one vehicle be and why?
1: Oh, that's easy. It'd be a 70 Hemi Cuda. Ooh. My uh, father bought one brand new in 1970. And unfortunately, after about four or five years, he broke the camshaft in it and sold the car off but kept the engine and transmission. Mm -hmm. I actually still have those engine and transmission in my garage. Ah. Uh, But... His car was just, it was a vitamin C orange car, so it was bright orange, it had the black interior, but it was stripped out. It didn't have the the rear spoiler, so all I want is a seventy Hemi Cuda in vitamin C orange with the black shaker hood. No vinyl top, no spoiler, bare bones interior, and I think that'd just be a great car to cruise around in.
0: I think it would be very nice choice. Well, Ryan, you have taken us on a great ride today, a great barn find ride across the country. I've really enjoyed your stories, and I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Ya yeah listeners. Could you offer us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off down that old dirt road towards a barn in your 70 Hemi Cuda?
1: Best thing I'd say is, you know, never stop looking for adventure. Never turn away from adventure. Because you never know what you're going to find at the end of that road. Absolutely.
0: And what's the best way for our listener to learn more about all the things that you're doing these days?
1: One that I update most frequently is my Facebook page, The Auto Archaeologist, with the A-E-O in archaeologist. The proper English, not the new English. (laughs) Um, I'm also on Twitter at autoarchaeology. uh, Instagram as The Auto Archaeologist. Or you can email me at theautoarchaeologist at yahoo.com.
0: Fantastic. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to everything Ryan shared with us on his show notes page at com. Just put Ryan, R-Y-A-N, into the search bar, and his page will pop up with links to all these resources, Go check him out, see what he's up to, follow him throughout the country, and look at all the great things he's finding. And I'll remind you that one lucky subscriber to the Karjad yeah! website is going to get a copy of Ryan's new book, Amazing Barn Finds and Roadside Relics. Compliments of Ryan. Thank you very much, Ryan.
1: No problem.
0: And to be eligible, just go to the Karjad yeah! website and simply subscribe. And even if you don't win Ryan's book, you'll get a copy of my free ebook, Filler Up with fuel filler fun pictures of all sorts of awesome automobiles and their fuel fillers with some inspirational quotes. Ryan, thanks again for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with the listeners and with me. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road.
1: Uh, You as well, sir. Thank you for having me.
0: You're welcome.